o'clock. We're going to be talking about the upside of failure with magicians Brendan Peel and Lee Lau. Our first act from South Africa, Brendan Peel and Lee Lau. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Brendan Peel. And I'm Lee Lau, and we are performers from South Africa. South Africa, a place that is great at both sport and crime. I'm just joking around. We're not that great at sport. <laughs> We've come all the way here to show you the world's most dangerous coin trick. I know that sounds oxymoronic, but don't worry. We've been caught far worse. Now, usually with coin magic, a coin would disappear from one hand and reappear in another. And usually it is done close up. However, tonight we thought we would go much bigger than that. Tonight a coin will disappear from my hand and reappear on the other side of the stage in Lee's mouth. <laughs> and I'm happy to say those comedians are with me here in the studio. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello, thank you very much for having us. Yes, thank you very much. How was it hearing your <laughs> you know, okay, so firstly, <laughs> I made that joke a little while ago. It's before we won the World Cup, to be fair. Uh, so, yeah, but it's obviously just a joke. Um, <laughs> with the whole, we're not that good at sports, you know. We like to, like, sort of infuse some humor uh, into the act as best we can, you know. Yeah. <laughs> before the drama. Yeah, before the drama, for sure. Okay, so there was that humor, and then we heard this. Would you please tell them for me that they fooled us? Well done. Well, thank you very much. Tell us about that massive win. What was it all about? You tricked the tricksters, I believe. Yes, yeah. we did. It was uh, essentially, it's, it's a great platform. Penn and Teller's Fool Us is a, a great platform for magicians where they go on. Uh, you get uh, the chance to go and fool them with a trick that you've created. Now, there's a very uh, sort of lengthy vetting process to even be selected to actually even appear on the show. They, uh, for the one we recorded was their 10th season. And it was a great opportunity just to be in front of them because we both looked up to them. Penn and Teller are huge legends. They've been around for many, many years. And they've sort of paid it forward by giving magicians the opportunity to come out, perform a trick that they believe can fool them because collectively they have a huge wealth of knowledge, magical knowledge. So the premise is you go out there, you do a performance, you do a stunt or a trick, and you see if they can if they can work it out. They only get to see it once. They're not allowed to zoom in or anything like that. They only don't even know who's going to appear on the show. We come out, we perform. They then discuss to see if they can work out the methodology. If they can't, then you get awarded a trophy uh, and the honor of saying that you fooled Penn and Teller. And it's apparently quite rare. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, there's only a few, like a handful of people that have actually fooled Penn and Teller over the years. And funny enough, a lot of those people, uh, their careers have seriously soared after that moment of sort of winning uh, that trophy and that sort of accolade. Because also so around what the world, to you two then? Uh, sorry, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, yeah, no. So hopefully it happens to us as well. But uh, no, we we indeed actually, I mean, uh, you know, winning it was totally surreal. You know, I don't think we really thought, even though it was such an honor to be invited. You know, just to be there, we were like. This is going to be, we were in Las Vegas 
recording it. And we're like, this is already the peak of our careers because both of us look up to Penn and Teller as serious sort of icons, if you will. And um, we were just like, we we're extremely happy just to be the first South African act ever to be invited to the show. Never in our wildest dreams did we actually think we'd go forth and also fool them. Mm. Um, so it was, it was honestly, it's still surreal, like sitting here right now and hearing that uh, voiceover earlier with the, the jokes, the bad <laughs> jokes and things like that. You know, it's still also surreal. Okay, so this is where you are now, clearly very successful in your world, well, successful in any world. <laughs> Tell us about the, your biggest failure that you think helped you get on to your way. Well, um, I suppose the biggest sort of failure was actually back in 2019. Uh, Brendan and I were performing at the National Arts Festival. We were doing a uh, show that was called Carnival Sideshow and Other Magical Things. Mm. And in that show, as the finale, because I'm actually uh, primarily an escape artist and sideshow performer and bizarre magician, but we end off the entire show with an effect where essentially we call it the Rubik's Cube cross wall, uh, crossbow escape. And I am restrained with a number of restraints, uh, handcuffs, thumb cuffs, chains, padlocks, uh, onto a chair. It's in front of a loaded crossbow. Oh. And now this loaded crossbow has got a water timer trigger. Uh, Brendan is solving Rubik's Cubes to help offset the uh, loss of the water. But essentially, once the water runs out, even with all his cubes on it, it will fire. So my job is to free myself of all the restraints and duck out of the way before that crossbow fires. Now, unfortunately, on this particular day, the 30th of June, 2000, uh, 2019, uh, it was actually my birthday. <laughs> the weirdest birthday gift I got. But essentially, the timer mechanism fired a second too soon. So as I got out, as I ducked, unfortunately, the arrow went and um, struck me in the head. Oh. It didn't go, it didn't penetrate the skull, but it did go uh, sort of between the surface of the, uh, the, the, the skull and the flesh. Mm. So I didn't know the extent of the damage. I just felt Lots pressure hitting. Um, instincts sort of took over. I just kept pressure on it. Brendan, at that point, he's still blindfolded. So he is expecting the round of applause we usually get when I escape. <laughs> Uh, there was dead silence. He takes off the, the sort of the hoodie and he sees I'm lying on the floor. There's blood. Mm. Uh, in that moment, I don't even know what I was actually thinking. I just sort of instinct took over. I just need to keep pressure, keep calm. I was fully cognizant. We actually had two doctors in the audience who immediately came through uh, to sort of inspect me and things like that. I was rushed off to the hospital. Uh, I walked away with five stitches. They did all the scans and things. There were some after effects in terms of... you lucky to be alive. Yes. I mean, I? it was a moment of realization with, you know, uh, doing a stunt that, that is very, very dangerous. But yeah, being faced with your own mortality and things. But uh, I found that it has strengthened me uh, because in it, we were actually invited then six months later to do Britain's Got Talent, where I had to be in front of that same crossbow again. So it took a lot of inner strength and, and courage to be able to just sit in front of it again so soon and to yeah just to overcome and why do you think they asked you to come back to do that for that to see if you were gonna be able to pull it off or they thought oh we might get another close i'm shave. not i'm not sure <laughs> no it's a, i mean obviously it's a bit of a good story uh, you know magician gets shot in the head with a crossbow yes. uh, and it's a bit of a you know on these got talent sort of shows they do like a little bit of a good backstory and yeah, that's essentially, I mean, we, we were also, I had a friend in Croatia at the time who messaged me randomly saying, like, why is your name at, in like a newspaper in Croatia? Why is your guys' names here in Croatia? It's about the whole story. It went, 
fairly sort of viral. I mean, uh, you know, we were in the uh, New York Post as well. <laughs> yeah, seriously, Fox News in America. Like, yeah, it went all over. So I guess they caught some wind of the this crazy act of these two South African magicians, you know, doing their thing and thought, wow, that's an interesting sort of thing and premise. So they, they contacted us and then, yeah, it's, uh, you know, doing Britain's Got Talent totally changed both of our lives. Um, so obviously it was... Serious. I mean, at that point, after Lee got shot in the head, we were both, uh, we were both honestly looking at essentially maybe giving up, really? doing this whole magic thing. You know, there was a lot of negative comments online, as you know people I do. Imagine. Yeah, you know, people. You know, it's obviously a bit of a joke thing as well. Uh, well, people on online would make it a bit of a joke, even though it was obviously quite a serious situation that happened, and we were both. Uh, what well, we felt in that moment negatively affected about the whole situation. And, and like I said, genuinely, we were both contemplating just giving up this whole dream of doing the whole magic thing full time. Um, I mean, I know even we both decided we're never, ever doing this trick ever again or anything sort of similar to it. Uh, but what ended up happening when BGT called, it's like this is an opportunity of a lifetime. This is now in 2020. Um, so we said, you know what? Let's risk it one more time. And yeah, that video went pretty viral uh, on BGT. I think it's garnered almost close to 30 million views right now uh, on various platforms online. Uh, and it's opened so many international doors for us. So, you know, taking uh, the upside of failure, I think that is sort of the perfect example of it, <laughs> really. <laughs> but, but I should imagine that a lot of people speculated that this was a joke, right, initially, that I mean, uh, this couldn't possibly... So, yeah, indeed, happen. actually, a lot of people were sort of, in the, in the moment there, in the audience, a lot of people were sort of just silent. Mm. And then some people I even heard in the front row, I don't know if Lee was hearing anything at that point, I think he was just in shock on the floor, uh, but then I heard people just whispering, saying, oh, no, like it's part of the show. Like, this is just a dramatic sort of ending. Yeah. Uh, and in reality, I had to actually tell everyone, like, like seriously, this is not part of the show. This was not planned. Um, would everyone kindly please sort of evacuate so we can sort out the right medical procedures from here or, you know, call the right ambulances and things like that. Uh, but people did think it was just a bit of a... Mm. A dramatic ending and like oh no they wouldn't this wouldn't really happen but and it could have yeah. been the end of your career because there goes your credibility right i mean you're supposed to be pulling off this magic and yeah that uh, but it, it's also it's it's a bit strange because obviously what i do that the esca escapology and the sideshow it is very very much real it's a lot of sort of body stunts and things like that so in a weird way, it also adds credibility because you know the things when i say it is oh. dangerous it is dangerous it really is it can go wrong Obviously, we take all the necessary precautions we can do because mm. uh, it was actually the second year we brought back the show because there were such nice uh, reviews of it the first year. So we, we, we brought it back and got good responses. But unfortunately, as with any sort of me mechanical things, you know, uh, there's just a percentage chance of random failure and things like that, which is obviously what happened on that, that afternoon. And I guess that's another lesson, isn't it, is, is looking for, I mean, obviously... You got into Britain's Got Talent. That's a pretty good <laughs> affirmation. But looking for the positive to anything. Yeah, like, the silver okay, lining with everything. Because yeah. as, as Brennan said, you know, we did consider because people were talking about, you know, you know, people maybe suing us or things like that. And 
But then we also had the silver lining that we just led on to such greater things afterwards. And also, I must just also mention on that whole sort of note is uh, quite a few media houses. I won't mention anyone's by name right now, but the one in East London, uh, if, you, <laughs> if you could pick up on that. No, no, seriously, they really did not report correctly. And there was actually an actual... Um, reporter in the audience and he totally got the entire story completely wrong and they ran with it good fact get in the way right yeah i know i mean actually you know thank you to those guys down east london because probably if they didn't make it so uh hyperbolic as a storyline how they worded it and even the information they were putting there uh, i mean even (laughs) some of them even mentioned that like lee lao was a sangoma and like they were saying, you know, even in the initial report, it was saying I was physically holding the crossbow, aiming it at his head, and I shot it. Oh, wow. uh, when it's actually in a mechanism. No, it was yeah. terrible sort of reporting on that sort of side. And that story was the initial story that places like in the UK, uh, you know, Newsweek and um, the Metro UK, amongst a few there, were phoning up saying, oh, did you really like hold it and like shoot it point blank into his head and things like that? And I'm like, no. And I mean, even some people... Uh, some of the news publications made it seem like he basically like died. I even had some people come to me and be like, uh, dude, did your like performing partner, Lee Lao, did he die? And I'm like, no, he's like down the road, you know, you just hanging out. To just a, a general shooting in the head. Yeah, you know? no. It's, it's but, really over-dramatized. It's yeah, they, I mean, obviously they wanted the probably the clicks and stuff like that, mm. but it really made it seem like we totally did not know what we're doing and uh, like I said, other news uh, houses were taking from that original sort of uh, source um, from that one guy who was in the, the audience. But actually, we can actually thank that guy. I don't know his name or anything like that. Uh, we could probably Google it. But thank you to that guy because he has opened new doors for us that has gone around the world. Uh, thanks to his sort of poor reporting. He probably, <laughs> he probably won't believe me. No, really, we want to see you to, to thank you. <laughs> I'm talking to Lee Lau and Brendan Peel, magicians. Uh, we've just been talking about their failures that have led to an even greater success. We're going to be talking to them a little bit more. 702. The upside of failure. Proof that a setback can lead to a step forward. I've got with me Brendan Peel and Lee Lau talking about their successes and their failures. They are magicians. I'm underestimating you by just saying magician, magicians, comedians. We've already heard that comedic uh, outlay a little bit earlier on. Uh, Lee, you had a another moment that changed your life during COVID. Tell us about that. Yes, COVID was was extremely difficult being a full-time performer because we do rely on being able to you know do our shows public shows or just even corporate things and with the whole restrictions for the limited number of gatherings and personnel that you could have in uh, a theater space it made it very very difficult because we also had a lot of gigs that we obviously planned throughout the year and a lot of the festivals got cancelled and things like that so you, you you spend a lot of time behind the scenes building up and setting up to do, say, for example, the National Arts Festival mm. and things. And then suddenly you're, you're sort of banking on that income to, to carry you through the year. And then suddenly when, when COVID hit, you know, you can't do any of those things. And it became very, very difficult. I, I was thankful that I had family and friends that, that supported and things like that. But it was very, very difficult. It sort of got to the point where should I actually, because I'd just gone, I think, in 2017, I sort of, or 2018, decided to go full-time as a performer, as a magician. 
And so then like two years later, obviously, then you are still building up your, your trajectory with your career and things. And then suddenly it just gets cut short. And then you weren't able to perform. And it was very, very difficult. I thought, should I now step away, maybe go back and do um, a full-time day job or something like that? Because uh, we tried. Uh, thankfully, we got a few other sort of private gigs. We got actually, it led, because of BGT, we got invited internationally to go and do other international TV projects mm. when the restrictions allowed us to leave the country and uh, do the visas and things. So that did help sort of cement that uh, I should stick the path, continue. But it, it, there were moments where you think, Maybe I should just call it in, you know, become a, you know, work in an office again and things like that. So. And, and was the failure aspect of it the, the fact that you couldn't see yourself getting out of what possibly felt like a hole, that you couldn't co continue with a career that you thought you were yeah, cause, I mean, in we, uh, for life? Yeah, it was very, very difficult because we had these moments because we actually filmed BGT actually in January 2020. So we knew that was going to air later in the year, sort of June time and things. So we had planned for like uh, to sort of market on that mm. success of being on BGT. And then for that to be taken away because then suddenly it's like, is, is even BGT going to air? Are we even going to get that notoriety and things? So it was sort of disheartening. sick. Yeah. Because uh, mm. I mean, unfortunately, you know, you have your savings that you go through, but then, you know, we weren't told because it was initially, what, three weeks and then suddenly three weeks turned to three months and then that became almost three years. So mm. you didn't have an area where you could say, okay, I just need to stick it out for six months or even a year at most. It was that uncertainty of going forward. Mm. At what point do you actually call it quits and then maybe be more realistic in your goal? Uh, but then we had other opportunities that sort of helped foster in that idea Actually, I can still make this work. It's going to be very, very difficult. But again, I had support of uh, you know family and things like mm. that that helped me get through that period. And I guess it makes you creative as well, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, it makes you become more realistic at your opportunities, what you have available to you, and you've got to get creative because you yeah. can't just sit there and go, poor me. Yeah, because then uh, virtual became a thing as well. So we sort of tried to tap into that market. You know, you had virtual private shows that you could do. We even tried doing the, the public ones as well. So we just had to be more creative and accept newer ways. Maybe it's not the norm that we normally do it, but let's try this uh, sort of route and see where it leads to. Mm. Brendan, what was that like doing virtual No, look, it's, uh, you know, as, yes, no, as, as magicians, you know, uh, a lot of what we do is actually you get a lot of immediate response and feedback mm. uh, sort of from the crowd. Uh, so if you do a trick, if it's a card trick or otherwise, you know, your response would be fairly immediate where it's either a gasp or a laugh or, you know, some sort of verbal indication mm. or visual indication. So, you know, when you are doing virtual magic, which we both had to do that sort of, it was the sign of the times or things that you had to do at those times. And uh, it is kind of a bit strange to sit there and have a lot of these like blank avatars on like a Zoom screen and you like do a trick that traditionally, if you do it on stage, there will be some sort of response like verbal at least like gasps or laughs or anything like that you um, might get a thumbs up yeah <laughs> yeah i know you'll just get a little thumb up or sometimes you know people are just sitting there completely blank uh and it's it's sort of a very weird way of performing magic i believe it is it feels the same when you're doing like a bit of comedy you know because mm. if you're cracking some jokes you know you don't know if uh, you know what percentage of the audience is laughing because sometimes with myself and Lee when we're cracking a few jokes in the mix of our show as you heard we do you know you can hear uh, 
okay, they're loving that type of joke. Let's go down this sort of route and like sort of play to what the audience wants. But if they're just sitting there with blank avatars, you don't know what's working and what's not, you know, so it's, it's hard for that. But it, it's a new challenge, you know, and uh, I think, you know, both myself and Lee, of course, we had to think out of the box mm. um, to make things that can work uh, virtually, uh, which I think we did fairly well after a while. It took a couple uh, months of sort of tweaking and practicing and playing around with what works on stage, what works on, you know, video. Uh, but yeah, it was obviously, I think, uh, the times of COVID was very difficult for all artists. Uh, but of course, myself and Lee are included in that because we didn't realize it was going to be such a long sort of haul, as it were, with no live sort of events mm. really happening for a long time. And no magic could have shortened that. Yeah, no, we're, we're good magicians, but we're not that good. We, <laughs> we, couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't make COVID disappear, unfortunately. Well, I'm going to find out from you after the news headlines, Brennan, what happened to you, one of your down times that led to good times, but let's get the news headlines. The Day with John Pullman. 702. The upside of failure. Proof that a setback can lead to a step forward. And what a step forward. Let me just remind you who is in the studio with me. Two magicians, Brendan Peel and Lee Lau. They're not just Moss, any old magicians from Tabacha. They've traveled all over the world. They've been on Britain's Got Talent. They got a wow from Simon. Uh, they've been on, on other platforms and other exciting parts of the world pulling off their magic and um, they've also been on the US reality uh, show where they tricked one of the biggest tricks or tricked tricked the tricks can you it <laughs> <laughs> <That> happens doesn't <laughs> it trick the <laughs> at tricks, least you've got your sleight of hand haven't you uh, Penn and Teller and uh, because of your incredible achievement on their show you're going to be heading over to Las Vegas for a week or two I mean did you ever think when you were in Klebecha that this is where you might be uh, these days. No, probably not. I mean, you know, it's, it's honestly, it's just beyond our wildest dreams that we, you know, honestly, it was also the magic sort of community of PE or Kobecha. You know, it's not yeah. a big sort of community. It's not a thriving one. Um, so we only really had sort of each other, maybe one or two other people out there. But, um, you know, there's not much sort of people or not many rather people to talk magic shop with, as it were. So the fact we've actually done it from sort of just our backyards and our garages, making these things, designing these things to the biggest stages in the world in terms of ma magic acts. It's actually, yeah, it still blows my mind. It's actually, I have no idea how this actually happened. <laughs> Do you have friends as magicians? Or was it just the two of you and you the only two who understand? No, we, we also do have friends. I mean, uh, you know, there is magic fraternities around in Cape Town, Durban, Johannesburg as well. And we do uh, work with some of them and we're good friends with a few of them. It's just in sort of Klebecha specifically, there's not many. Uh, in fact, actually, it's pretty much just us. Let's be real. Um, down that side. But yeah, we, we, we befriend. We, we try and always also promote and support um South African magic as a whole uh, on the global stage, you know, uh, because now other, um, you know, the world has seen what South African magicians can do. Uh, and uh, I know a lot of the magic communities and societies, which there are a few in South Africa, just by the way, that we are part of as well. They, they've all been very proud of our sort of achievements and they're always pushing us forward, um, sharing it with their magic friends from around the world as well. Um, and, and we always try to do 
South African magic proud because we are very proudly South African and, mm. and everywhere we go, um, you know, all these international platforms we go onto, we always basically pushing the whole concept that we are South African. We are promoting the art of magic in South Africa. You know, even in uh, the Penn and Teller show that we did, uh, we actually have a literal South African flag. Um, if you go watch it, you'll see it there for our coin clip holder um, uh, amongst a few other sort of little nods and tips of the hat to the fact that we are South African and we always, always try to pr promote South African magic, for sure. It's, it's a funny thing. I mean, I lived overseas for 25 years, and I just banged on to anyone who was listening, or even if they weren't, that I'm South African. <laughs> we all have that in, in us, yeah. don't you? I mean, Lee, how would you describe your magic, that, that, that people wanted to crave it and have made you as successful as you are? What is it that you two do that's so different? Well, that's the interesting thing about us, is we actually do completely different sort of facets of magic. Uh, where Brendan is sort of traditional and does sort of mentalism, magic of the mind. I'm crazy. I do the crazy things, which is why they will call me one crazy China. But I do what's <laughs> called escapology or the art of escape. So I, you know, free myself from various restraints, uh, very famously made, famous by Harry Houdini. Mm -hmm. And then I do something also called sideshow, which is predominantly sort of a sort of American sort of art form where you would do things like eating fire, uh, walking on hot coals and things like that. And then I'll do bizarre magic that I like to call it, which is all those sort of strange, nuanced things that you won't see in your traditional type of magic. So I blend that together. Uh, so that's sort of my style that sort of draws people in to come and support and see because it's things that you would have heard of or maybe even seen on TV, but to see it live, you know, mm. if I'm eating fire right in front of you, you can feel the heat. Oof. That's completely different than just seeing it on a screen somewhere. Yeah, and a bit crazy. Yeah. And basically, we also basically just mesh sort of the different styles that we do. And that's basically what makes it quite unique as a duo act. Uh, one of the hardest things for you, Brennan, was yeah. being away. Uh, yeah, so I also actually perform uh, a lot on cruise ships, mm -hmm. um, mainly actually in Europe, uh, sometimes Australia and the USA as well, uh, doing headlining aboard a few different cruise lines, which is a great gig and I absolutely love it. It's, uh, but it is, it does mean being sort of on the road or on the sea, as it were, yes. uh, for quite extensive periods of time, you know, and, um, when you're away for so long, uh, not just doing that, but also when myself and Lee are working together, you know, we're gone sometimes for weeks at a time, mm. uh, fairly consecutively as well. Uh, and you do tend to be away. Uh, from family, friends, relationships, and things like that, which obviously does take a toll. Uh, you know, uh, I do like spending time with my family, my friends, of course, my girlfriend. Shout out mm -hmm. to her as well, Bronwyn. I love you. Uh, <laughs> but you know, seriously, like all these, uh, all these things uh, as well. Is she you, real? Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's sitting right there next to you. Uh, no, I'm kidding around. But no, she why is. Why does that feel yeah. like a failure? Uh, well, sort of, you know, you sometimes, this is just me personally now, sometimes you do f feel like maybe you're letting uh, your personal relationships like down in a way and failing in that regard, if you will, where, you know, I, I like to be there for the people that um, I always like to say to the ones that I would like them to rely on me, that I tell them you can rely on me for certain situations. But of course, if I'm away for a month at a time, it's, it's hard to uh, be fully reliable in that moment. Um, even with family things and my mom and stuff like that, like, mm. uh, I mean, she's been very supportive, uh, but she's, she's a little bit ill right now. Mm. So even right now, I'd like to be there with her, but, um, in Kobecha, 
Um, but indeed, you know, there's also back-to-back things that are going on where I will be away uh, uh, for extended periods of time. And and I guess you could say that's sort of kind of like, um, uh, yeah, feeling a bit like I'm failing um, them in a way on occasion. But but generally speaking, they, they do understand uh, the situation of, you know, the more I'm away, uh, you know, I'm growing my brand, myself and Leela, when we're obviously working together, being away for those extended periods of time, we're working, uh, like really taking the brand of ourselves, Peel and Lao, if you will, uh, to the world, uh, and myself as well. Just, uh, you know, I just keep growing and growing and we keep growing to international sort of, uh, standards. And, you know, if you are going to be offering, uh, a service or entertainment of an international world-class level, uh, you have to be exactly that sort of world class, and that means going away and traveling across the world, mm. which has also been such an amazing experience. I mean, myself and Lee, we have been to such interesting places. I mean, we spent like two weeks in Romania, uh, you know, performing there. It was such an interesting experience. You know, we've been to America, uh, we've been across Europe, the UK, uh, various places in Africa as well, and of course, also touring across South Africa, going to cities and towns that. Maybe we wouldn't necessarily just randomly go to. Um, again, I won't mention any names of these places, but uh, shout out to them for coming to the shows. Uh, but seriously, I mean, some of these smaller towns that you maybe wouldn't necessarily go to, but uh, being on the road regularly and just sort of experiencing all these different spaces, places, walks of life, uh, that's sort of the upside of it is that we do get to experience things that, Never in my wildest dreams when I was about 10 years old, starting off doing a couple of tricks and starting doing magic, I didn't think I would be, you know, going to Croatia, Romania, you know, uh, even Montenegro there in yeah. Europe, uh, you know, Australia. I never places really thought I'd be there. normally choose. Yeah, or even to. places I just Mine. didn't imagine myself being uh, or going to, you know, and, and you really, uh, you know, we get to see sort of, the real essence of the places we're going to, um, which which is of course an upside because you can really open your mind to like what the world is about in these different cultures. Mm-hmm. And I'm one of these people I really love. Uh, I'm a big quizzer as well as my family. We're, I'm a huge quizzer, so I love quizzing and things like that. Um, and I love learning about new places, new cultures. You know, various. Uh, I try and pick up on a few different languages as well, but I'm, I'm not very good with learning languages. I can barely speak English as it is, to be honest. But yeah, so so I'd say that's the upside. But obviously, the downside of it is is being away um, from you know the direct support structure that is here in South Africa, and uh, yeah. So I guess there's pros and cons of of everything of this whole career we chose really. Now. You have threatened or, or promised, I don't know, we'll judge afterwards, <laughs> to perform a magic trick. Is it something that we can do in here? Will, will you be able to articulate it so that those who cannot see will be able uh, to? Yes, indeed. Um, in fact, um, you know, you will be basically the eyes of the audience, uh, but also ah. the voice of the audience, I suppose. Uh, yep. But of course, we did meet previously, but we have not set up or prearranged anything. I just need, obviously, the listeners to know we have not set up or prearranged anything. No. Yep. Absolutely not. Of course. Okay, we're not going to do it yet. Oh, okay. I just want to hear. Yes, just just. Oh, okay, just, not just yet. Sure we're ready. I'm getting too excited here. <laughs> <laughs> I like your excitement. Uh, Lee, tell us about leaving South Africa, going to London. Why that was a bit of a downside with a positive ending. Well, it was it was more of a challenge because um, I, I know you asked for like challenges that I sort of had to overcome, and obviously I, I this was straight after high school, 
uh, I was still deciding what I actually want to do career-wise and things. So I went back then. We still did the whole uh, working holiday visa thing where you could travel over to the UK. So this is, I'm dating myself there, but it was many, many years ago. Yeah. And so I went there and it's, it's completely different. Obviously, you know, you, you've traveled around South Africa. You go and visit family, maybe in Johannesburg or Cape Town and things. You spend a holiday there, but it's completely different when you're now away from all of that. I knew nobody in the UK. So essentially, I just booked my flights. I had um, some idea of where I want to go to and things like that. But then just being away from everybody that you know, you're having to make from scratch new new people that you have to sort of form immediate bonds with. Because I stayed in like a South African hostel, actually. That was very nice. But a lot of people, when I met them, they were already like maybe a month or two months into their stay. And they were already like, no, I can't do this anymore. I want to go back home and things like that. And I ended up staying and, and working there for several years. Uh, I left in 2001. I came back in um, 2009. Actually, when I left, it was also even more surreal in the fact that it was just after 9-11. Mm. So I still mm. remember seeing it on the news and I have to leave in two weeks' time. And I'm literally going to be traveling to a foreign country and this has just happened on a global scale. What does it all which mean? Which again, yeah, mm. it, it just puts all of that in, into question. Like, should I just actually just call it off mm. and things like that? But um, I, I, I was fortunate to actually meet some nice, like-minded South Africans and we stuck together. And we actually, they, my longest friends is actually from there. Lovely. So without that, I don't think I would have stayed as long, but it, it helped to build me as a character. And that's when I sort of got back into magic as well, meeting other uh, new faces in magic and things. So it built me up as a character and I think strengthened me to be able to do what I do now, years later. And you're going to show me, aren't you? Yes, indeed. Now's the moment. Oh, now's the yes, time. All right. right. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to do uh, uh, basically an amalgamation of two different things here. Uh, what Lee is holding over here is indeed a uh, a light bulb, all right? This is a genuine light bulb. You can see it coming out of the box. Jane? In fact, uh, I Jane, can, see uh, can uh, Lee, if you could just lean over and pass Jane the light bulb, all right? Okay. Now I'm we're holding the light bulb. You're holding the light bulb. Now, uh, we're going to try a little bit of what is called mentalism, all right? Uh, which basically mentalism is magic of the mind, all right? So creating the illusion of getting inside of your head just a little bit. Now you are holding a light bulb. What I have in my hand over here is actually, uh, uh, it's actually a key ring, all right? It's a key ring, um, a solid piece of plastic. Um, and if we can actually, Lee will just place it in front of Jane, face down, of course. I don't want you seeing what is on there right now. Um, but Jane, that's gonna be in full view right in front of you. Just verify no one's touching that or anything like no. that, right? Mm -hmm. You will touch it in a second. Okay. But uh, uh, Jane, uh, if you would be so kind just to sort of look into the light bulb in your hand. And again, we have not set up a prearranged anything. But if the listeners at home also want to give this a try, mm -hmm. uh, you can go ahead and just visualize a two-digit number. All right? Essentially, right now, Jane, you're going to visualize sort of appearing in this sort of magic globe, even though it is just a normal light bulb. Mm -hmm. uh, now, Jane, can you visualize a two-digit number appearing in there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, at least in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. uh, now, Jane, there's no possible way we could know this right now. What two-digit number are you sort of visualizing? This is all in your mind. What two-digit number are you indeed visualizing? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no, but uh, Jane, like... <laughs> Give it away. 12. 12. So one, two, that mm. is 12, right? Mm. 
Now, you could have obviously gone for any number. Now, is 12 a lucky number by any chance, or is it just completely just random? Just popped into my head. Just popped into your head, mm -hmm. okay? And if some people out there are also thinking of 12, just let us know. You know, you had a range of a whole bunch of different numbers, yes? Yep. Now, uh, right over there, there is, uh, it's actually a piece of plastic. Before you turn it over, it is been in full view at all times. It is yes. a key ring, essentially, all right? Uh -huh. There's a number printed on the other side of that key ring that's been on that table the entire time. Now, Jane, uh, if you'd be so kind to take it, flip it over, read it out loud, genuinely, what number is on <laughs> that key ring? 12. <laughs> that is indeed 12, the number you were genuinely thinking of right now. Yep. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. I mean, yeah. And you're not going to, I know you're not going to tell me. But I, I, mean, I mean, that's the, I, I, I've never come across a career where people are so secretive. I mean, uh, and I know it's obviously as soon as you tell somebody, <laughs> then the, the trick is gone. But, but it's not even done yet because that oh. 12 that you were thinking of in that light bulb, I think uh, Lee will try something with try, that light bulb. Because now I'm going to try my style of magic, which is the crazy. So you've got a light bulb. It's just a normal light bulb from the store. Uh -huh. But I also have a few other little implements here. <laughs> so I actually want you, in a moment, I want you to place it into this little bag. Okay. And I want you to break the light bulb. Very, very carefully. I've got a nice little hammer here. Okay. I want you to smash it for me. Okay. And then I'll grab the pieces from you in a second. Okay. So indeed, just go ahead, place the light bulb into a packet. And Lee has a hammer over there. Jane will basically just be smashing it. Uh, it just takes a little bit of a gentle just, tap. Just do a little whack. This yet. table seems quite sturdy, so it should be... Oh, there we go. Okay. Perfect. One whack. That is now a genuine... And you can see, Jane, that is genuinely a genuine light bulb. Yep. You can feel it, hear it, crack yes. and break. Fantastic. It is. It's the real thing. Now, I mentioned I do something called Sideshow. Now, this is actually a staple in the Sideshow community because what I'm going to do now with this freshly broken glass is I'm going to very, very carefully just grab a few pieces from here, from mm -hmm. the genuine pieces, and I'm going to try a sideshow stunt. And I hope everyone's going to listen to this very, very nicely because I am going to eat this glass in front of everybody right now. <laughs> he really is a sucker for... Okay. And that is indeed <laughs> Lee Lau eating <laughs> your broken glass right now from the light bulb. It is a little crunchy, I won't lie, uh, but, it, but it is a, a, a 40 watt, so it's a bit light on the calories, literally. <laughs> but now I'm going to do the best part. I'm going to swallow this glass. I'm just going to drink a little bit of water. Oh, you lunatic. And there we go. Jane, if you want to have a look, no blood. And you can check inside of his mouth. There's nothing. He has genuinely yeah. just eaten a whole bunch of broken <laughs> glass right over there, which we call sideshow indeed. So hopefully that's something you enjoy that you may have not seen before live at least. <laughs> well, I thought he was going to at least pop it out of his mouth and oh, yeah, yeah. whole one. Oh, no, that's the trick that happens tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, we don't go down that route. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Fantastic. And how, uh, yes, so what happens to that glass? I mean... Well, it's actually interesting. I mean, uh, this is genuine glass that I'm eating, and it is very, very dangerous. Uh, so please don't attempt anything that you do see us perform. If you ever do come to our shows or if you've heard of it, yeah. uh, it is very dangerous because I learned how to do these from other people who are in that business and yeah. in doing sideshows. So I learned how to do these stunts safer. It's not without risk. I have cut myself, and when you're learning especially to do these things. But the interesting thing is that your body does um, – there's a safer way of eating this glass. Uh, so I do have like a certain regime for, for diet and things like that yeah. that takes care of it. And your stomach acids does a, a lot of that job as well. 
But uh, yeah, thankfully, touch wood, to this day, I haven't had any complications other than maybe grinding the back of my teeth, yes. which my dentist isn't always too happy about. Uh, so uh, apparently quite a few people have called in or sent messages saying, uh, for example, my Bona from Burnham, my number was 12. This is <laughs> crazy. So quite a few people have said that they were thinking of 12, yeah. Kathy as well. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a few like uh, psychological subtleties. I mean, what we also do... And, in, so do you plant those subtleties? Uh, do you, do sort you? of, yes. It's mm. never an exact science, by the way, uh, just so also the listeners know. But generally speaking, uh, so if I asked most people just to think of a one-digit number, just the first one-digit number that pops into your head, chances are... Uh, people tend to think of the number seven, right? That's generally yeah. the most commonly selected number. Now, if I know that as a mentalist, I can use that sort of to my advantage, right? People are more likely to go for odd numbers over even numbers. Mm. Uh, it just, something about it, it just feels better to people. Uh, unless you go for, of course, a lucky number, then it's a little bit more difficult for me to figure out. Uh, but that's generally some of the sort of psychological principles that are involved but it's also about implanting sort of thoughts or ideas um into people's heads just a little bit of course so so people who are listening and want to get into this i mean tell us if, if you could put the failures of your life into your success i mean how would you sum it up what wh why should we celebrate failures uh you know i i have always been a big sort of believer in the fact that you know uh for everything that goes wrong uh, you know, it's one step closer to it going right. Mm. You know, uh, I know it's a classic and cliche example, but Thomas Edison, you know, he designed 999 different light bulbs, ironically. Um, <laughs> but the thousandth time he designed the, the light bulb was the time it worked. If he gave up on the 999th or 998th time, you know, he wouldn't have being credited with designing the light bulb as we know it today, you know. Uh, and that goes throughout, uh, I, I believe, even what we do. I mean, obviously, we're entertainers. We don't necessarily design physical objects that everyone around the world uses. Uh, but, you know, for every sort of email you're sending out and every sort of no you might be getting in response, which does happen, I think everyone gets no's uh, at some point or another, you're one step closer to potentially getting a yes and it might just be that one yes that can actually change your life. Uh, and I have always been a big believer in that. So, so I believe this, there would be no success without failure, in my opinion. Mm. Yeah, because, you, I mean, that suggests that you're trying. It's yes, of course. It's as simple as that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, and that's, that's basically like my sort of philosophy uh, yeah, on that whole situation is mm. that you can't succeed without failing. Otherwise, if everyone's just succeeding, that would just be the norm. There would be no such word as success, you know. And, and something like what you two are doing at school, I should imagine it differentiated you from other people, Lee. Uh, I mean, did your, did your friends tease you? Did people think you were a little bit weird in your, in your well, home, <clears throat> doing your magic? I was, I was actually, uh, I did magic sort of as a hobby growing up and things uh, but I actually more focused on like the escape side of things because I grew up watching MacGyver A Team oh, I like yeah. the uh, sort of the him. problem solving aspect of being able to get out of a situation and I, I performed a little bit or I did a few little tricks but I actually I was a nerd I actually my career path I actually ended up studying criminology and I did work doing that I actually worked with the, the DNA project where we actually did crime scene preservation we helped to change the legislation uh, for the DNA Act that got enacted a few years back 
uh, and things. So it was actually just through circumstance that had allowed me to actually take up the career of going forward as a magician. So my path is a little different than Brendan's. I didn't go directly out to become a magician. Uh, uh, but I learned a lot of lessons along the way. And magic actually helped me a lot because it helps to open you up uh, in terms of creative problem solving. I like that aspect of it. Creativity and problem solving aren't just exclusive. They work very, very nicely together. And I like that aspect. Uh, and it helped me a lot just even being scientifically minded, being able to be analytical, coming up with a new way of doing a trick, which like we did now with our coin bullet catch. We, we sort of took something that is very well known uh, in the magic community and around the world and we put our twist onto it using our creativity sides of things so um, magic has helped me with that but it wasn't strictly something that I pursued straight off going into so you're off to LA uh, and, yeah. and what are you expecting? I mean, what's the, what's the plan? Have you well, got new tricks up your sleeve? <laughs> How does it work? Yeah, hopefully the plan is to blow some minds, hopefully, uh, yeah. some more minds at least. Uh, no, but basically we will be going back to, to Las Vegas. Uh, but along the way, maybe we'll go to LA as well. Sorry, well, Las we, Vegas. Yeah. Las Vegas. Yes. Well, we're in the area. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's all semi <laughs> in the same area. Yeah, same. Yes. But, uh, you know, uh, we'll be going there working with Penn and Teller, uh, mm. part of their live show. They actually have the longest running show in Las Vegas, not just magic and shows. And is it something you can only see if you go there? I mean, uh, would so, it be televised or how do we um, get to? From now on, the televised part was the whole actual Penn and Teller full show. Now we're going to work with them on their live show for a period of time. Uh, the exact dates are still to be determined and things or, or sort of sent to us. Uh, but we'll be working with them uh, in a sort of personal capacity as well. And our act will be part of their show, which is a huge, huge honor. I mean, Penn and Teller are absolutely some of our literal idols. Uh, they're absolute legends of the game the magic game, as it were, worldwide, and just and, to be part of their show. And how wonderful to know that you two, little Okies from South Africa, <laughs> stunned yeah. them and yeah. Yeah, they got to invite you. I'm going to thank both of you, Brendan Peel, Lilao. Have a wonderful trip and very proud of you, and thank you so much for coming in. And we've got the news coming up now at 3 o'clock.